you're alive. Hi, I'm Vicki Abelson, and this is The Road Taken, and this is really The Road Taken. We have we had a little bit of a, of a mishap, Alan. No, you had a mishap. <laughs> I had nothing. I'm just sitting here waiting for it all to happen. And this is Allie Willis. Hi, Allie. Hello, how are you? And, and Louise, come, in, come into frame. And this is Louise Palenker. And um and and this is the road taken and so Louise is like awkwardly sitting there who she can't turn around. Um oh yeah I know. I told Vicky okay. I'm not this will this will not be me for an hour. Okay. So, so I'm gonna go back. So we're okay. excusing. All right. So we're, so we're excusing Louise. I'm making sure that the shot is there because we we were there and then yeah we're, so we're there now again. Gorgeous. Okay. So so here we are. So I don't know. I'm trying to see who's with us because I'd like to do that, but I don't know. Um, I am enough for the to start the show. All right. So all right. So so no. I'm, oh oh yeah yeah yeah. Take it so you can say. Okay. So the thing is, Allie. Yes. So. Around us, surrounding us, behind me. T tell everybody what this is behind me. Well, this, which you can't see now unless the camera is movable, is not. Oh, movable. yeah. I'm versatile. Okay, well, these are original portraits from the Brown Derby. That's so crazy. And wow. uh, the Brown Derby, for anyone that doesn't know, was made very famous in I Love Lucy because that's when she went to Hollywood restaurants. That's where she would go. But it, uh, it and uh, Sardi's. We're like the very first people, and I believe Brown Derby was first to ever do caricatures. Oh wow! Yeah, they're, and, they're seeing it now yeah, on the air. So that's uh, that's where we are. Okay, this so, is my lovely screen. This is the least <laughs> photogenic thing. Okay, so you can, Louise, but, can you yes. zoom in so that the screen isn't so people are just seeing the tops of our heads rather than the the screen behind us because that's not a fun shot. Well, it's the, it, I mean, in this house, it is the one blank spot in the house. So is this one mine? So, so we're drinking out of, as you can see here, tab, Actually, oh, that's yours. Me. Okay, so we're drinking out of tab, tab. because Allie's entire house is filled with kitsch. There's kitsch here. There's well, it's, it's 1950s, 60s, and 70s, pop culture, uh, atomic age, uh, kitsch and soul, memorabilia, artifacts, clothing, cars, everything. So what? What's when did this passion start? Nineteen sixty-nine. How daily? Um, what was your first collector collection? Coll my very first thing was when I got actually my first apartment in New York, mm -hmm. and uh, I moved there to work for Columbia Records, uh, writing ads and radio commercials in the backs of you know liner notes. Um, David and Wild. who? Our friend David Wilde, uh, yes. I was telling you about. He writes yes. lighter notes, yes. So um, I went to a thrift shop and there was a baby Ricky. I, I sound like I love I Love Lucy. I don't. <laughs> Your I Love happens Lucy. to come up. But the, um, it was an, a baby Ricky bath set. So it had a tiny little bathrobe and a baby bottle and some little bottle of talcum powder and this incredible photo of Lucille Ball holding this plastic baby. You could tell she was so pissed off <laughs> that she had to pose with this shit, you know? So she's like scowling at the baby. So that was my first thing. Scowling at the baby. And, uh, it, it, you know, it never stopped. It's a daily thing. It is, honestly, one of the largest and most documented um, 50s, 60s, 70s pop culture and related 
artifacts. I wish we could walk through the entire house. We should. It's your show. We well, can do what we decide to do at the end of the well, show. Well, maybe at the end we'll, we we'll, go, a, we'll go take a walk. Take if a you feel, but without stopping the thing. So. Absolutely. But if you go on, on Instagram, uh, on my Instagram, there's a, a little video we shot before the show, which Some. is... Of the little toys. Some of the little toys. There are so many toys. It, it's phenomenal. It's really exciting. I can't imagine. And, and then you also auction off your, your stuff. At my live shows, I yeah. auction stuff off. It's the best part of the show. I've been. It's very fun. And the girl from, from um, not House. What, storage Wars. Storage Wars. I'm on Storage Wars sometime. Yeah. And I am Mary's, like, best friend. <laughs> So um, Mary comes and helps me with the auctions. Yeah. Um, and you know it's you know can be anything from you know a howdy doody pencil sharpener to uh, <laughs> this beautiful grape lamp. So like, how much would something like the grape well, lamp go for? Well, if you go on eBay for yeah. something like this, uh, you could find it probably for anywhere from thirty to one hundred twenty-five dollars. It's not just a grape lamp; it also is a planter. No, it's oh. a great plant. <laughs> oh, oh it's that's just a great plant. Oh, oh, but these, oh. you know, 1970s, right. you know, just the height the of glass everything. So bubble. now you used to be able to find this for nothing, but oh. everyone knows what everything is now because of these shows, uh, because of eBay. So all they have to do is they would search for a resin grape lamp. <laughs> If someone was selling it and they thought, oh, I'm going to put it on for three dollars, they'll see, oh shit, it's selling for eighty five. Unbelievable. And so, but I find it for three. You, and you, how much time do you spend on eBay, Allie? A day. <laughs> uh, well, when it, I was, I, I don't know if you know this, in the very first piece that the New York Times did uh -huh. on eBay. eBay launched in November of 1998. And she knows this is the Absolutely. interesting part. New York Times did their first coverage on it about a year later. Yeah. And I was listed as the foremost eBay <laughs> buyer. Buyer. So, um... How about seller? You don't sell. No. no I sold don't. a couple times. It made me just miserable. But that's why the auctions are great. Because it is my stuff that it's I'm fantastic. selling. It's fantastic. And if, but the, at the auctions, the prices go crazy. The I've been because there. The crowd, 300. Yeah, the, the crowd gets delirious. <laughs> delirious. Especially if it's like a movie star who's big. Yes. And they, they go nuts with it. I've so. been there and there's been a Supreme. There's been yeah. a Pam. Mary Wilson, Pam, Pam, Pam Adlon. Um, better been things. A FX, Leslie, great show. Fantastic. Yeah. Leslie Warren. I mean, Leslie like, Warren. Everybody yeah. comes to Allie's shows because you know everybody. And they're so fun. And if you get an opportunity to see out, do you have any shows coming up? Um, I do, in Detroit, I do in May. We'll talk about Detroit. We'll talk about yeah. your home, your hometown, and how loyal you are to it. Okay, so yeah. I don't even know where to start with you because there's there's way too much to talk about. But so you're a little girl in Detroit. Yeah. How how do you come to music? Because music wasn't your first thing, right? No. Well, I wanted growing up. I wanted to be a veterinarian. Then I had a, uh, was my only black teacher in high school. Of course, I listened to every word he said. <laughs> and I got interested in advertising in my you know, last couple years in high school. I graduated, I went to University of Wisconsin, I majored in journalism. Does this have anything to do with what you asked? No, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, no, no, um, no, it's good, it's good. I'm saying that music, How music. do you get, wait, but how do you get interested in advertising? What pulled you to that? This teacher, what, you know, it was when advertising was starting to be really funny, 
really hip. Mm. This was mid-60s. Okay. And um, it was, you know, it was pop culture when advertising was kind of leading the way. So, um... So that was already like starting kind of your gift for saying something in a, in a short, short amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Short amount of time. When I graduated college, I'm skipping ahead from okay. actually what I want to ask you. But when I graduated college, I got a job at Columbia Records, which turned into Sony, Columbia and Epic Records, and I was writing the ads and the you know commercials and uh, you know that kind of stuff. Uh huh. Uh, and then one day got bored, bought a tape recorder, got a piano, to this day don't know how to play, plunked it out, took it to my boss, lied about who. No. I don't read, write, or play music. I don't know how to do anything. This I is somebody who sold 60 million records. Music and lyrics. <laughs> Not just lyrics. That drives me crazy. Uh, did I say lyrics? No, no. But so many people do. Do they really? I pride myself on my lyrics, but when people think it is only the words. No, no, no. That makes I know you notes, write. I know, you know you write the music. But to answer your question, yes. growing up in Detroit as a teenager, okay. when Motown was coming up, I'm sure that every little kid in that city felt that Motown was their own. Yeah. Um, and then and there were a ton of Detroit labels, all of them turning out hits. There were incredible black radio stations. There was one DJ I was obsessed with named Martha Jean the Queen. <laughs> and I, you know, drove my father, as you know, crazy. <laughs> I'm was, looking at the jukebox on the, oh, on yeah. the wall. Oh, my God. Okay, I'm sorry. I so, just took my eyes. Anyway, um, but I literally would drive down to Motown yeah. um, every Saturday uh, as a kid when I got my driver's license, which in Detroit at that time, you got at 14. That's what? how bad they wanted to sell cars. So I would go down to Motown. That sounds very scary. Were there a lot of accidents in Detroit? That's like they would 14. Just, they, cars were cheap in those days. They didn't care. Oh, anyway. Yeah. And so, so, wait, lives, so I, I went guess, to Motown yeah. and yeah. I would sit out on the front lawn. Yeah. And you could watch everyone come in. Yeah. And you could hear through the walls. Oh, my, oh my God. God. So half the time I knew bass lines before I even knew what song it was because I would hear this. But here's the kicker to this story. Okay. And I had a life like this where I don't care what the loose end is, it ends up tying up somewhere. <laughs> so I only got into Motown when I did this project in Detroit that I know we're going to talk about. Okay. But it was my first time actually in, which was just like five, six years ago. Wow. After what? being out on the lawn 150,000 times. So anyway. Five, six to make, years ago. Yeah. To make All right. Were but a lot that, of kids that would hang out on the lot? Um, not a lot, but uh, for instance, that's how the Supremes got their gig. Yeah. They used to go yeah, and yeah. sit out on the lawn. They got to hand clap. And they needed a uh, you know background singer, <laughs> yeah. so they got in. But but um, I wouldn't say a lot, but you would bump into you know same people uh -huh. you know. Right. Um, but I was very dedicated. It just it felt like it was my music, you know. <laughs> so. Um, this Jewish anyway, girl from Detroit has decided that Who's Motown, losing her voice, so I'm, it's not usually this low. <laughs> um, but listen to this, yeah, you're going to okay. die. Because this was the tab. the tab glass. Yeah. This was a dream come true. Slim waistline, by the way, I that's what this is. I love um, my birthday it was in November. The slide, yes. So now Same I'm jumping to this slide. Yes, yes, yes. And. Um, I had become friendly through this project I was doing 
with the new CEO of, of uh, Motown. Okay. You're uh, runs the Motown Museum. Ha, ha, this was two months oh, ago oh, now. Wait a minute. Now we're jumping to two oh, months I'm ago. Oh, I'm so confused. Okay. So, okay, so five years ago, because of my project, I get to go in the actual Motown studios. Which you'll tell everybody what the project is about yes. later. Okay. In the little house next door. These are tiny little houses where history was made. Um... Have you been, Louise? No. Oh, mandatory. I'm obsessed. You will die. Yeah. It is the greatest thing ever. You know, Louise, ever. Louise started Premier Radio, by the way. Oh, And she fantastic. made the documentary on the Calsills, the family band. Oh, wait. That is a fantastic. <laughs> oh, thank you. I know that documentary. And when they're at the funeral service. Right. Oh, my God. Uh, anyway, okay, I just wanted to show you that I actually knew the documentary. Oh, thank you. That's an honor. So, uh, and I've seen it twice. Yes. That really is an honor. So, um, okay, so wait, because this so is last important. week. November, this last November. Okay. It is my birthday, and I'm in Detroit. It's perfect timing. The Color Purple, which I co-wrote with uh, Brenda Russell, Stephen Bray, Marsha Norman. Which won a Tony Award. And a Grammy and this last year. Okay. <laughs> So, um, hey, you gotta get in there. You've earned it. I know. It. I know. Well, then you may as well say it uh, also just opened in South Africa, which I love. Yeah. But and did you say it was the first all all black show done by an all black African by an all African cast ever? I have some good trivia about the cover, color purple. Go ahead. When I was watching it on Broadway, Mike Pence was next door watching Hamilton. Wow. Well, thank God you were at the right one. <laughs> but the actor that It says my video him, is interrupted. Oh, it says that from time to time. Don't worry. You're fine. Really? Yeah. Uh, that's... I've never seen that before. Wait, we're reloading in case we're still actually on. Okay. We're, there's us and looking there at we it. Are. Okay. Um, they're laughing. Our Harpo... In the original, when Color Purple first opened in 2005, was the guy in Hamilton who spoke to Pence. Oh, wow. So oh, there truly was a connection between those shows that night. Yeah, wow. However. They, yeah, they told us there's going to be Secret Service when you go up. The the cast of Hamilton, because it's that time of year where they do the The, 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 the plea. Yeah. yeah. And we were Broadway like, cares. We were like, what the F is, is Mike Pence doing going to, like, everybody was offended. We all booed. Yeah. Who, yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Anyway. November. My You're birthday. Okay. So Color Purple is playing in Detroit. Unbelievable. They gave me 30 tickets. I brought all my 30 closest Detroit <laughs> homies. It was fantastic. Um, and it's a lot of the original Broadway cast. So it's like a serious tour. I, Cynthia Rivo, don't even get yeah. me started well, on her. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. As good as it gets. Yeah. Anyway, yes. so we, um, I have gotten friendly through this Detroit project I was working with, with Robin Terry. Robin Terry is Barry Gordy's niece. Okay. And she now runs... Motown? Motown. Now. Okay. And the Motown Museum is very active. They're building this huge complex in Detroit. It's really kind of fabulous. So Robin says to me, well, you're doing Color Purple at night. What are you going to do during the day? Um, I, I didn't know, and she said, well, have you ever taken the Motown tour? Now, this is something that every person who visits Detroit, it is the first thing you do. I have never been on the Motown tour. <laughs> She's from Detroit. I love well, it. and obsessed with Motown like no other. Yeah. 
So I go to Motown on my birthday, and the museum is in one little house. The studio is in the one next door. Well, little, what are we talking little? Little, um, like, half, uh, uh, probably a, a, um, eight hundred to a thousand square tiny. feet. I mean, okay. small. Yeah, small, like okay. a couple little bedrooms. And if you've ever seen pictures of Motown, it looks like a little white house with yeah, a little yeah. roof. Uh -huh. That's and the studios it. Studios are in the basement. Yeah, snake pit. So. Anyway, I go to the Motown Museum, and they have tours, and each tour takes uh, 30, 40 people on it, and there's a bunch of them going on simultaneously. And you start the tour in this adorable little room with the little, almost like an 8-millimeter screen, and they show you the, the, a 16-minute history of Motown. Because it only takes 16 minutes to do the history. <laughs> uh, I mean, you can't, oh, well, you walk through this place after you want to, like, kill yourself. It's so unbelievable. Anyway, yeah. so Robin Terry comes in. Terry Gordy's daughter. Niece. Uh, niece, okay. niece. Head of Motown Sorry, okay. now. Head of Motown. And she comes in, and she um, kind of stops the proceedings, and she said, you know, a lot of people who come through here have very special attachments to this place, but there's no one like who I'm about to tell you about. Tells them how I sat on the front lawn. Oh my gosh. Da 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 da. They all sing happy birthday oh. to me. The whole place, the whole, all, oh. people coming in. Oh. Tells them the songs. I mean, starts with September. They're fucking going crazy. <laughs> And then I have this unbelievable tour at that point with everyone knowing who I am. Um, and uh, it, it was the greatest fulfillment of a childhood dream. Wow. Ever, bucket list. Ever. Bucket it was bucket that, list. That's beyond bucket list. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was BBL. <laughs> beyond bucket list. All right, so this is a pretty great, so it was worth waiting for. So it was worth not having done it all that so that you could yeah. have that experience. Yes, and here's the great thing I forgot to tell you. So there's, you know, a, not a plaque, one of those big historical monument uh, signs of those green with the gold lettering, big sign, Motown, it's historic, blah, 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 blah. And in front of it, there is a dead patch of lawn because it's where people stand to read the sign. <laughs> so we go out in front and we're standing right by the, the patch and Robin says, oh, there's your spot. So it's, it, and it was really where I used to sit on the lawn all the Stop. time. Stop! So I now officially have my own patch of dirt in front of Motown. It's we should put some kitsch there. <laughs> well, or another little monument. Another says, little you know, monument. Not so little. It should be an, a big mm. monument. Um, we haven't Ugh. even talked about the stuff you've done, but let's do yeah. it chronological. Okay. So you do an advertising, you get a thing for Columbia Records, you're writing liner notes. For all of the minority groups, which included the blacks and the females. All I cared about anyway. So I was doing a radio commercials. The, the females work in the same category with the blacks. The blacks, yes. So blacks. very first person I worked for, though she departed five days later, was Janis Joplin. Wow. Whose apartment I later moved into. Then my next, my kind of big one that I stayed with all the way through was Laura Nero. Uh, oh um, this, is, this is crazy making for me. No, I worked, I did all the, um, any kind of ad or anything for uh, 
uh, New York Tenderberry, Eli and the 13th Confession, Eli and Christmas the 13th and the Confession, Bains of Sweat. one of yeah. my favorite albums of all time. Uh, Barbara Streisand, um, Sly and the Family Stone, um, <laughs> Simon and Garfunkel. I know they weren't in there, but somehow I did. They were under. not black and yeah, they were not women. No. But let me just tell you this. Yes. So anyway, very long story short, just I wrote 10 songs. I wrote three songs. I took them to my boss at the label. He how, knew. Wait, how long are you there doing the liner notes before you show your music? Three years. Three uh, years. The first song was 1972, and I started in 69. So, so for three years, you're writing music that whole time, or you're no, not? No, no. No, it was, I don't do anything before I do it. It was just the first three songs I wrote. So in other words, you do this and boom, you're going to the guy. I take it to the guy. He likes it. We take it to Ron Alexenberg, who was head of Epic at that point. Mm -hmm. um, he does not know it's me because this is a conflict of interest now. Ah. This is just, now, my boss knew it was me, but no one else did. Okay. Uh, he liked it. Then he took it to the final boss, who was Clive Davis. Okay, wait. Ooh. Before you go to Clive, what kind of songs are these? Uh... Pop. Very much, yeah. Is it white of, pop? Is no, it black pop? Black. It's, of course it's Absolutely not white black. pop. <laughs> yeah, black. Um, and uh, so Clive likes it. So I go from writing ads for Clive to I'm on the label. And then I have to divulge who I was. Then I have to quit the job because it is a conflict of interest. Okay, are you on salary for the other thing? I became the hat girl, huh? Wait, are you... When you quit the job, yes. are you on salary to write music? No. No. I've never been on. You don't get paid to write music. So you yeah. have to hat check to make money so that you can write music. Yes, and I was, but I don't want to skip that far ahead. Oh, okay. To the hat checking, though it's pretty incredible where I hat checked. Um, no, now you have to tell me. Well, Catch a Rising Star, while they were doing the Saturday Night Live auditions. Oh, so I, I used to be Andy Kaufman's plant for a lot of his shows. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. Are about you me. friends you with Elaine even... with Boozler? Are you oh, fucking oh. kidding? <laughs> We're hat check girls. Oh, yes. Was she a hat check girl? No, but like, she was the up and coming comedian yeah, in the yeah, club. Yeah, yeah. And, and the first girlfriend. and the first one yeah. to be nice to me. Oh, hi Elaine. I can tell you who the pricks were and who the great ones were. Well then do. <laughs> But see, my voice is going to go before oh. I get there. No, you have to get to the But let me just tell you yeah. how I left. When I left okay. my job at the record company to officially become an artist. Okay. I'm all packed up. I am ready to leave. And the, the, who was my boss until that moment comes in and goes, there's one last ad we need you to write. By the way, it was the 21st of September. That's the God, uh, God's truth, which is I, the first line in my first hit. September by Earth, Wind, and Fire. Which but is anyway, only played on every radio every station, day, every single to day, this day, to this day, since the day it came out. I mean, it, okay. Is it the most played? I think it might be the most played song it's, on the radio. It's crazy up right? there. Right? I mean, crazy it has to there. be in the top five songs of all time that is played on the radio. Yeah, it's crazy. All the time. It's crazy. Insane. But listen okay. to this. So I'm, I'm you know, checking out what Ryan, right. one last ad. Okay. It's for this new group we sign. I'm like, oh my God. No, stop. Really? I wanted, you know, I need to be <laughs> you going. You know who it is, right? I need to be an artist. And. It's Earth, Wind, and Fire. It was Earth, Wind, Of course, it's Earth. Yeah. I I'm telling you, my life is. Okay, so so you have to write the end. So how, how do you now be an artist to them if you're. Because then you quit completely 
And then you're just an you know an. Do you artist. have a relationship with Earth? Do you have a relationship? Oh, I have with nothing them? to do with, with Earth, Wind, and Fire. You, at that okay, point. they don't Zero. even know you. No. You just write the liner. I notes. only knew the artists who, like I, Laura Nero, I knew because she used to come in because they couldn't really understand her, so it was better if you were kind of like face to face. So tell, give us, can you give us a little bit? I mean, I, I'm such a Laura Nero fan. What was she like as a person? Um, I, I can't say I was a best friend. No, so, that's okay. But what was um, your take on her? Quiet, um, a little broody. Mm -hmm. but that works. I was such a massive fanatic fan that I, I'm sure, had it just been someone and I wasn't aware of who she was, it could have been that I was a little nutty to you know just quiet mm -hmm. um too but you know her manager and it was his first client was david geffen so wow. that's who i was dealing with she might be there but it was geffen that i had the thing with and i'll say this well geffen i haven't seen in a while but i always had the relationship with him where i was the 21 year old in the you know in the office and the one who i seriously had that relationship with to this day is clyde so when we see each other, he's a really friendly guy. Is he? Yeah, really. Um, but it is like like a father-daughter reunion, and people think, oh, she wrote so many hits for him or something. Absolutely no. not. He was my boss when I was 21. And so He was he, the first person that emailed me when I found out about the Songwriter Hall of Fame. Aww. Yeah. And so he still thinks of you as that little girl. Yeah. But... To my knowledge, he's never cut any of my songs. Really? Other than, I went to see the doc. Have you seen the documentary on him? It's brilliant. I have not seen it. It's a fantastic documentary. This is on Netflix now, right? Is I think, it on Netflix? No, I think no. it's Apple. Am oh. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I I've think. been hearing about it. I have to you check have it out. To see yeah, it. it's unbelievable. Yeah. So I keep like leaning over. I was with Prudence. I keep laying and going. Oh, now I really wish I had, had songs with Clive, because the amount of hits in this documentary. I can't even imagine. No, you I really can't, can't imagine. Yeah. yeah. And then all of a sudden, da, 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 and there's September. It's the only song that's played in full in the documentary, and I never put together that Clive. Basically, was they had their own record company. So in my head, Earth Wind and Fire. Yeah, yeah, it went yeah. as high as that, but but it was signed to Sony, oh. so it was actually Clive's baby, and he's who signed them. Oh. So that took me forty years <laughs> to, to figure, figure out. out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right, so so you do the liner notes for Earth Wind and Fire. You quit that job. You're doing advertisements. You, yeah, you, you, advertisements. You print you, ads. Rolling Stone. Anyway, okay. Yeah. All right, so then you you quit that job. You're working hat check at Catch a Rising Star. You've written three songs. Uh, well, okay. Uh, oh, so okay. So I'm dropped from the label. I am terrified performing at that point. That took decades. Wait, you dropped from the label I as got an artist? I got dropped from the label as an artist because the album didn't sell. It was a, it was an Allie Willis album. Yes, called were, Allie Willis saying... Child Star. Ten songs. Oh, oh God, there's so many stories. Okay. So many stories to tell you that I'm thinking that tie up to things happening today. Okay. But um, yes, so I yes I got the label from the I got the deal from the first three songs. I made an album, came out in 1974. Bette Midler was the first person ever to hear a song of mine. My dog threw up in her lap. It's a whole thing. <laughs> did, was uh, did you have a friendship with her? 
maybe it was that was my very first showbiz click. My three best friends were the Harlots who sang background mm -hmm. for her. And Katie Scott was Katie Scott. No, Harlett? Katie no, was later. later. So who were the original Harlots? Well, the original original Harlots were Melissa Manchester. Oh my God. Uh, Gail Cantor mm -hmm. and Merle Miller. Then a couple of them dropped out very early. Uh huh. And in came Charlotte Crossley, Charlotte, mm -hmm. she stayed forever, mm -hmm. Sharon Red, and uh, Ula Hedwig. And are you friends with and you're friends yes. with all of them? Yes. Well, one of them's not on the earth anymore. But the one that is not on the earth, um, her name is Sharon Red. She actually became a big disco artist. Uh -huh. um, on the day I was dropped from the label, I went on a very short tour. I was terrified on the road. Okay, wait, before, the, we, before we leave this part of your life, what is it like, this little girl from Motown who's sitting outside listening, going through these three years in New York as a writer, what is it like when you are now an artist and you're actually going on the road? Well, what it was like being an artist, which was in the studio, okay. was incredibly exciting. Mm -hmm. Uh, my producer uh, used to produce Janis Joplin. He wrote Piece of My Heart. Oh, my God. Um, Jerry Ragavoy was mm -hmm. his name, and he owned a big studio called The Hit Factory. Of course, famous. Yeah, so, I, you know, I got to hang around that studio all the time, mm -hmm. and my band um, included a whole bunch of the Funk Brothers, who were the Motown mm -hmm. house band. Mm -hmm. And, in fact, Bob Babbitt uh, was the bass player, had just gotten back from playing bass on Midnight Train to Georgia. Wow. And that had just been released. Still, no better record has ever been cut. Agreed. No Fantastic. better background vocals, no better lead, whatever. Brilliant. Yes. So I could not believe that on my album, and you know, there's a particular sound, there's... Right. That part of it was great, uh, but the road terrified me. Um, and had the album sell, sold well, even if I was terrified of the road, I wouldn't have been dropped. But the album was, it was a little respected. Did they, did they, did they give it a push? No. No push. That's no. And I was coming out at the same time as my label mates, Bruce Springsteen and Billy Joel. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, same time. So I was like just buried. Oh, yeah. And my manager worked at the label still, so he could not promote me because that was a clear conflict of interest. So I didn't, story of my career, I did not have that person in place. Anyway, I dropped. Huh? Can we find it on eBay? Yes. Okay. Oh, on eBay. Yes. What's it's it actively Allie Willis Child Star. <laughs> One word. And Sony actually re-released it a couple of years ago. Yeah. I was praying that it would just, because I always wanted to buy the Masters band. Yeah. But they re-released it. So uh, so you can, the and it actually sounds great because it was remastered. Yeah. Cool. But uh, that you can definitely find. But I, when I, if someone's not bidding against me, I snap up the discs. <laughs> but very important here. Yes. I get dropped on that day. Um, and I'm kind of, I uh, want to kill myself yeah. half, and the other half is, oh my God, thank God. You know, even though I didn't know what I wanted to do. Yeah. But, so my friend, the har this harlot, okay. uh, Sharon Red, came uh -huh. over, and she said, well, what do you really like about the whole process? And I said, songwriting. I, you know, that's fun. I'm sitting here alone or with a friend, and, you know, that's fun. Right. So she said, okay, just be a songwriter, and... 
she was uh, recording that night a background session for um, this chick singer. That's all I knew about it. And she said, come to the studio with me. Now, when you are just dropped, the last place you want to be yeah. is at someone else's session. Yeah. But she was adamant, you, you know, you're more depressed than you think you are. You're in shock. You should, because I was broke, too. Oh, shit. Um, Do you have the hat check job? No. No, no, no job. Nothing. No nothing. job. So um, uh, come to the studio with me. So I went. This was just one of those crazy alley things that I am blessed to have happened every now and then. I walk in, the girl, I don't know who she is, the singer turns around, looks at me, and literally runs over, falls to her knees, Stop. and starts going like this. It was the one person who had bought my album. That Midler? Body Rays. Oh my God! Yeah, Body Ray. So then I find out her name, and I go, oh, my friend David Lasley, who was, now I'm starting to meet all these songwriters. Okay, you have just mentioned my three goddesses. Well. Laura Nero, Bette Midler, Bonnie Ray. Oh, my God. And she was, like, my biggest fan. So who knew? So she says to me, what are you doing here? Go home and write me a song. Wow. So I don't know what she sounds like. I just know once I hear that Oh, wait. Name, oh, she's not famous yet. No. She that had, had I think she had an album out, but nothing. That you had heard was, it. Yeah. Like people in the know. Wait, what year is this? 74. Because I knew her in 74. Yeah, people in the know kind of knew her. I knew her in 74. I think I saw her in like 75 in Tucson. But anyway, yeah. Oh, I wish, because I was on tour with her in 75. So, oh, stop! I didn't go to Tucson. Okay. Oh, my anyway, God. Um, so I called up my friend David Lasley. Oh, I hope this voice stays with me. Yeah. Um, I'm not sick, by the way. I have unbelievable allergies. Oh. But anyway. Okay. Um, I and, and I, I just feel bad even saying this because I don't know if you know, but there was a nor'easter today, and there oh, are people who are oh. under feet and feet of snow with no electricity. And I had somebody complaining to me today how cold and gray it was, and I was no. like, "Will you get over yourself? It's seventy degrees." Yeah. yeah no. No, we anyway. have it great. Yeah. We have it great. But it is allergy season because yeah. things are starting to bloom. Okay, so. Okay. So, I call up my friend David Lasley, another songwriter. He has been talking about nonstop this chick, Bonnie Raitt, Bonnie Raitt. I said, okay, I just left Bonnie Raitt. He's like screaming. <laughs> I said, meet me at my apartment. So, it's midnight already. Okay. So, he comes over. We stay up all night. We write three songs. Wow. We go in, no sleep. It's like, okay, they're going to be in the studio at noon. We finish the third song, we take the subway, we get to the studio, we play her three songs, she cuts one of them. So I had my first cover that day. And then I will just say cut to four years later, because you think once you get the cover, well, people are gonna constantly do your songs. But no, so I was getting one or two songs cut a year. Okay. But that was it. Um, I move out to California if I'm gonna starve to death. I'm going to do it in the sunshine. <laughs> and the same, well, the, my same group of friends, the Harlettes, right. get their own record deal. And they're recording with a producer named David Rubinson, who's up in San Francisco. Okay. And um, they take my songs with them because yeah. they, they want to cut them. 
And he, at the same time, is producing Patti LaBelle. So Patti LaBelle, from the Harlots, who led me to Bonnie Raitt, um, Patti Hears My Songs, flies me up to San Francisco, gives me money to basically go in the studio and cut demos, because I had no money to even do a piano vocal at that point. She becomes the first artist to start regularly doing my songs, tells me she wants me to write with her friend who's up there who I avoid for three days because I finally got to the star. I don't want to go back to the friend, you know? I want to stay with the big shot. Right, of course. Anyway, I avoid Studio B where she tells me to go. <laughs> Third day, I'm walking down the hall. Studio B opens. The guy comes out. I go, oh, shit. I duck into the bathroom. Ladies bathroom, sitting on the toilet, trying to outweigh this guy until he gets out of the hallway. <laughs> the door opens in the bathroom, clump, 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 two male shoes <laughs> under my stall. And all I hear is, Patty says, you're great. You know, come into Studio B. So I go, you know, basically, I'm fucked. Yeah, you got, go. you got to go now. <laughs> Walk in. I'd never seen that many keyboards in my life, literally, ever, ever, ever. But I had no idea who this guy was. And I just think, well, I got to get out of here. I got to get back to Patty, you know? So we just start writing. He's just got these tracks. And literally, we wrote... No, wait, how, how, much after, how much after you wrote the copy for Earth, Wind & Fire is this happening? Uh, for, uh, four years. And they're not famous in this time? Earth, Wind, and Fire is famous, but I haven't come into it yet. No, but but you know who they are. Oh, yeah. No, once I got a couple years out of that, I was like, oh, God, that's that group. That's unbelievable. No, I was at Earth, but Wind, this and Fire. Day, but this day, you don't know where who you're with. No, now, four years later, I am in a studio with someone who all I know is he's Patty's friend. Okay. And he needs lyrics. Okay. And I didn't want to just write lyrics either, but... That was another reason for avoiding him. Anyway, so we wrote a full lyric. It took maybe an hour and a half. Starting on the second, and I just kept looking at all the keyboards, and then I just started staring at him because he was talking to the engineer, and I go, oh, my God. It's Herbie Hancock. Oh, stop. I'm thinking so, of the, oh, my yeah. God. So I ended up writing four songs on that album, and then between Patti LaBelle, Herbie Hancock, and a friend of mine who was uh, working with Earth, Wind & Fire, uh, she said, you should go write with Verdine. And um, she said, you know, if you click with him, it's gonna lead to Earth, Wind & Fire. And I was always like, oh my God, that's the group that, you know, blah, blah, blah. And uh, started writing with Verdine, got along great. He said, I'm gonna introduce you to my brother. I thought this will never happen because I was on food stamps at that point. I was getting medical assistance. Wow. And uh, Maurice called about two weeks after I met Verdine, and he did not ask me to write a song. Literally, the only thing he said to me once he knew it was Allie Willis on the line, do you want to write the next Earth, Wind & Fire album with me? Got asked to write the album. Wow. And that... Taking a gamble on someone who I have, I have goosebumps. You know, These, it was unbelievable. And now on June. So 4th, you're, wait. So you're sitting there on the other end of the phone. Couldn't believe it. I mean, so again, so this is like another one of those. 
bucket list, beyond the bucket list moments. With, oh yeah, within 12 hours we had already started September. It was unbelievable. It was um, and the studio was right on my corner, which was crazy. It wasn't even in an area there were a lot of studios. And on June 14th this year, Verdine White is inducting me into the Songwriters Hall of Fame. And they're playing September. But wait a minute, listen to this. Wait, oh God, it's great because I told you this story. So um, I'm bitching and moaning. It has to be, you know, I want Earth, Wind and Fire to sing September, but that's an expensive proposition. You're flying 97 band members in. Right, right. I, I, I still would love, you know, Philip Bailey to be singing. Wait, where is it happening? Uh, in New York at the songwriters. There, there's at, not an actual... That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. but it's, it's in, you know, at a big... Yeah, yeah. Oh, shman, fancy schmancy thing in New York. Anyway, so there's some discussion. Now, Verdine will definitely be playing. And there is some discussion that a, um, you know, the singers in the house band will do it. I go... I'm getting inducted in. These ain't going to be, even though those are usually the best singers in right, the house. Right, right, right. Session way. singers, of course. So I said, well, just give me give me the names of the singers. On my life, should I be struck dead this minute? <laughs> they said Fonzie Thornton. Fonzie was my singer on the Child Star tour. What? The man that sung the first ten songs I ever wrote. Oh my god. Oh my god. And when he auditioned, his piano player, who had been his best friend since kindergarten, was Luther Vandross. Oh Luther was only the piano player, and I took Fonzie away from Luther. Oh, oh my god. But anyway, so it's Fonzie at the Hall of Fame. How insane. Crazy. Is that, that? That's I love serendipity. That's fantastic. That's crazy. a perfect that's a perfect crazy. That's perfect. Yeah. Alright, so so now you're writing with you're writing with, you wrote for Herbie, you wrote for Patty, you wrote for Bonnie, you get... Once Earth, Wind & Fire happened, then it exploded. That. I got, um, I got, uh, I, I got, I, you know, I kept trying to get a publishing deal. No one in town signed me. Very last place I went, this was right before the Earth, Wind & Fire stuff. Uh-huh. Um, very last place I went was A&M because it was kind of the best place. Yeah. And it's like everyone else is turning me down. I'm not going to go to the big fish. Finally, they're the only ones left. And all I really had was my Child Star album, mm -hmm. you know, to play. And but, a couple of those songs. But, but you had this stuff that other people were covering. Yeah, but... Um, Didn't that give you credibility? No, because unless they're singles, especially they're in hits. those days. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes I had big artists, but it's the album cut, so then you're not making anyone any money. Right. Anyway, so the uh, president of the company at that time was a guy named Chuck Kay, and I had a big reel-to-reel. -reel. I couldn't even afford putting it on, like, a smaller format. <laughs> I had one reel-to-reel -reel that I used to schlep around town. And so he puts on Child Star, the first song, yeah. which was the song that Bet heard, actually. And um, he turns it off in the middle of the first song. So I stand up. I've been in this scene 20 times already. You know, I don't need you're to hear you to say, you're really good, but they're not quite, you know. And um, he said, where are you going? My back was already turned. And I said, well, that's it. And he leaned over the table, took my hand. He said, congratulations, you have a deal. And within eight weeks of that point, I got 11 covers. 
Because wow. I can finally put the songs down on tape. Right. You know? So it was a pretty amazing time. And I will and this just... Is this is before you connected with Earth, Wind, and Fire. Earth, the Earth, Wind, and Fire thing kind of happened right on top of it. So, um, and then the very first record I got at A&M, another one of those magic moments, the A in A&M was Herb Alpert. Right. Who was huge, right. you know, at that time. Mm -hmm. And they had huge artists. They had the Carpenters. They, had, You know, it was like great. And um, it was, so me and David Lasley were in the studio. They gave us a piano player. Actually, he went on to become a huge... Uh, jazz guy, David Benoit. Oh, yeah. It's like fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, so me and the two Davids, and we're just tinkering along, trying to put our songs down as fast as we can. And the door to the studio opens, and Herb Alpert's head pops in and goes, what's that song? And he took it to Rita Coolidge, who was just coming off of like Higher and Higher mm -hmm. and whatever the big ballad was uh, she had. Uh, and so we got our first record at A&M because Herb Albert just... Happened in. Happened in. So, I, yeah. But I, I believe when things like that happen, I mean, to me, that's destiny. There, yeah. there, there are no accidents. Things like that happen because they're supposed to happen. You were on your path and... And I've had some crazy stuff like that happen. So, okay, so, so, now, you so now you are not on food stamps anymore. No, I was on food stamps for a long time. Okay. Because the money's delayed. I had sold oh. 10 million records before I got off the food stamps. Will you stop? <laughs> I'm not stopping. 10 but million records? The beginning of 1978, I was still on food stamps and medical assistance. End of 1968, because uh, September came out, end of November of 78. 78. Um, yeah, so, and it was selling like crazy, and all these other people were asking me to write. And I was getting on all these records, but the royalties. There's are no delayed. upfront money on any of this. There's no you upfront get an upfront money. advance, but I had nothing, so it was like I had to get a place to stay. I had to, you know, um, listen. It was such a glamorous time. You do not feel like a starving songwriter, even when it's bleak and you don't know what's happening. You know, you're young. You're in this clique of other people all trying to do the same thing. Uh huh. You are just so excited by and everything. And they're all fabulous. Yeah, my clique, we kind of all hit at once. So Who, who else hit with you? My clique was like, um, well, David Lasley. Oh. We, we wrote uh, uh, Lead Me On, the Maxine Nightingale song together. He wrote a bunch of like Anita Baker, um, but that was a little later. Uh, Bruce Roberts, Franny Goldie, um, D David Foster. Um, well. Uh, God, uh, Barry Manilow was hit huge. But Melissa Manchester, I'm blanking. It was an incredible group of, of friends. Andy mm -hmm. Goldmark, um, and we all kind of hit. However, hitting with Earth, Wind, and Fire, <laughs> whole other ball game. I mean, I have to say, if you had to get in there in the coolest way possible. And, and I knew it. I mean, I was so thankful for everything. So how did your life change? First of all, we didn't talk about your family. Here you are writing black music, you know, With this the father girl. who was not happy about that. Okay, so what, what was that like? So it was, it was not a racist thing. It was a I'm going to push her buttons and make her go crazy thing. And the way of getting to me the worst 
was a fight over black music. Ah. Which, you know, especially in the car, I'm always cranking the dial down to where the black stations are, he's cranking them back <laughs> to the safety zone. Right. You know? So, um, we had lots of... So uh, was it just like a, a parent-child tug-of-war kind of thing, do you think? Um, um, I know I make it sound worse than I actually in my head feel that okay. it is, okay. that it actually was, but he was pretty brutal about it. Everything about me appalled him. The hair was always off, the clothes were thrift shop, and the older I got and the more self-expressive I got very drove him <laughs> insane. Then the fact that there were very few white artists sprinkled into my repertoire right. really bothered him. You know the story about his last dying breath, don't you? I, I Tell me, tell us. Well, for a father that rode me my entire life about... Your entire life? Even after you hit big? Oh, yeah. We're, yeah, where Some are the white people? Some things don't change. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, not from a racist point, right. from... Uh, I'm never going to let her think I'm that proud of her. Yet I would hear from all my friends. I totally He get would it. chew their ear off about me, like, in a good way. Right. <coughs> all the time. Right. Um, but uh, I got the last word. Okay. Because in 2002, uh -huh. when, uh, you know, you, it was going to happen soon. I didn't know it would happen that soon. But anyway... Uh, I leaned down and I whispered in his ear, I just got the gig to write the color purple. And he was gone in an hour. Oh my. Could you think of a blacker thing? <laughs> so I could have given him a heart attack? I don't know, but he was gone. Did you do it to, did you do it to give him a zest? No, I actually did it. I thinking, okay, he's got to know this is a big deal. Yeah. And he's going to know I'm okay. You know, did, he, did he still possibly think you weren't okay after all of this? I think he wanted me to think that I wasn't okay ah. after all of this. Yeah, yeah. He only came to visit me once. Okay. Um, and I played him stuff in my studio with a huge grin on his face. So that's how I know he was doing it to annoy me. I see. Um, he kept like kind of trying to accentuate his headphones that he had on. And finally I realized he was wearing noise blockers. Like that you wear at a construction site so you're not going to hear the... He was it plugged into my mixing board listening through noise blockers. Just to annoy me. Wow. So. Yeah. But we would laugh about it. And I'll tell you, I get the best stories out of it. So... Keep annoying me because it makes for incredible comedy. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's where comedy is born, anyway, from from heartache, right? Yeah. So, and how about your mother? Where is she standing? No, all this? Uh, my mom passed away when I was fifteen. Okay. Uh, Sorry, suddenly, she... suddenly. So I have great memories. Um, was she supposed? You must have always been different. I'm assuming. I didn't think so. My friends that I'm still in touch with mm -hmm. tell me, not that I was different, but I guess I was creative. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I lived for television. Um, 
I used to like running for student office, not to win. I only won once, but because you got to make the posters. And I, so I would make the posters. All right, so we have to talk about that because you have this whole life as an artist that we haven't even touched on. Yeah. And this whole life as cyber art that you really created like a whole new genre. In, and, a, in a way, yeah. In a way. Yeah. And with Lily Tomlin, you did. Yeah. Okay, so tell us about that part of your life and how did that start? Um, okay, so in a nutshell, um, I was very bored with my career, which I do get on and off, which I now view as a blessing, not a curse. Okay. And uh, really had no interest in just the music business and the competitiveness. We're now like at 1990. So you've already had... I had a whole... I had you, a, did you already have Friends then? No. Friends okay. was written... Uh, it, Friends was written to get out of my publishing deal so I would never write, have to write a song again. Allie wrote I'll Be There For You. And for those of you or anybody who doesn't know that, um, number one hit... So I can't even imagine how many times that's been played on the radio. Oh, well, but, and TV. Well, on TV, day, day, yeah, like yeah, crazy. That's ridiculous. So, um, yeah. But anyway, uh, so, and, and then in the 80s, I was doing mostly art, art direction, tons of music videos, selling big pieces of motorized art, designing furniture, still writing music. I was just going to say, were you still writing music? Still okay. writing music. The hits in there, Neutron Dance, okay. uh, Beverly Hills Comp happened in there. Which, Allie um, won, uh, what do you win for that? Uh, win best a, soundtrack. A, a Grammy. For, and I wrote uh, Neutron Dance by the Pointer Sisters, Stir It Up, uh, Patti LaBelle on that. Uh, and uh, What Have I Done to Deserve This came out during that time. That's uh, Patch Up Aways with Dusty Springfield. But my interest is not in music. Okay. So I'm so realizing... So is not enough? N writing music is not enough because I was a visual person. Okay. And beyond anything, I was a social person. Okay. And my art form was party throwing. I've heard about these parties. I have yet to be invited to one. Well, I'm going to... Get into gear this year. I want a again. pajama. I want to come to a pajama party. <coughs> Allie Those throws were the killers. Fam throws family. Yeah. Tell, tell us who some of the people at your pajama parties have been. Well, I'm going back a okay. while, but yeah. a t oh god, like uh, Cher, uh, Cher, Bette Midler, Joni Mitchell, <laughs> uh, 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 Katie Segal, Rosie O'Donnell. I um, want to go. I'm, I'm blanking. It's just they were. Uh, a yeah. hundred women on the nose literally stayed 24 hours. I would choreograph all kinds of games, all kinds of contests. Um, the parties, and everybody's game, everybody's willing, and everybody's all it, in. Shocking what I would get people to do, <laughs> mainly because I'm making things for you to wear. You're wearing, you know, toilet paper scarves, or I'm hand gluing the feathers into the perforations. Look at her face. Um, and Cher is wearing it. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, She's uh, probably the most game of all were, of them. Yeah, yeah, they were. Everyone was shockingly game because everyone. Carrie Fisher. Um, I, I'm just. I'm, I'm trying to remember the photos in my mind and go. Okay. Yeah. 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 And Cindy Lauper, Andrea Martin. Um, Jesus. Uh, anyway, so um, and, and gowns. There, there was all you would gowns made out of hefty garbage bags, and then you could kind of glue your own, you know, stuff on. And Bob Mackey had loaned me his kind of dress forms, and so there was always it was very kitschy, but there was something incredibly high end about everything at the same time. So. Um, Kitschy, 
Bob Mackie hefty bags. <laughs> well, I mean, think of it this way. Friends theme, the color purple. Those, those are not usually things that are said in the same sentence. So it's high and low. So... Okay, so okay. so you. Oh, okay. Specials. So it's 1990, okay, yeah. 1990, <laughs> and um, someone shows me a um, message board on the internet. Okay. Now nothing was on the internet. Well, what is days. what is a message board in those days? Uh, like what a message board is now. I mean, so but, like people are just a social message board. Like, no, like no one. Like when it was AOL. No, no, way before. This oh, is we're going that. way before. So I don't know what the that Steve is. Steve Case used to like sleep on the couch in the living room here. Prodigy. So, uh, pre-prodigy. This is all, wow. there's like kind Allie of nothing. Was a, she really was a pioneer really on the pioneer. internet. Yeah. She was a pioneer, yeah. So, um, anyway, so skip ahead to 1991. Yeah. That's actually when I saw the message board, which was mostly people exchanging information, like interested in the same topic. Right. And I looked at it, no graphics, no animation, nothing. Um, and thought, well, at least it could be funny because I'm looking for a way out. I don't want to write songs anymore. I'm looking for a way to take my parties out of my backyard. And now all of a sudden I see this person's from Germany, this one's from Japan, this one's from Alhambra, you know? Okay. And all these people can link together. So why don't I at least write something funny, you know? And so that was the first thought. So I was literally the very first person at the very first Hollywood meets Silicon Graphic uh, conferences that they had. It was called the Siebel Conference. Um, to say that the internet was a social space and that none of this stuff was really going to work until artists got involved because they can put a face on, like who would know what a sitcom was if there was no I Love Lucy. You know, you wouldn't wouldn't mean anything, just this television technology. So wait, so, so for social media to be social media... Well, there was no such thing well, as social I mean, but media. Well, I for social, for it to be, you needed a face that I people recognize. No, 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 no. You need to... You need content. You need content to put on top of it. Okay. And also, you needed a social director. <laughs> and I felt I was a social director. Oh, yeah. So what started happening is that companies who had a technology that did blah, blah, you know, would come to me. Uh, computer companies would come to me, here, do it on these computers. So, like, give me an example of something that you did for one of these companies. Uh, designed a Microsoft chat room. This was a little later. That already okay. is maybe 1996. Um, but in 91, all I was saying was that you, um, it's going, you are going to need everyday people to be in this place called cyberspace, mm -hmm. and they're not going to come the way that it looks and feels now. I see. So I basically wanted to music and art direct cyberspace. And then my idea was that all these things you did in separate places, like if you were on a message board right. and you wanted to send email to one of the three people that might have had email in 1991, <laughs> you logged off, uh -huh. which was a five-minute process. <laughs> you log back on, five-minute process. You send your, spend your one thing. Then you go back into the black hole of cyberspace. Maybe there was a game to play, oh, one game, right. multi-user, over here. Uh, there was one car salesman online. <laughs> so I said, take all these things, 
put them in one space that I'm going to create fictional characters for who will be your guides into cyberspace. One's in charge of parties. One's in charge of, you know, and she would have movies every Saturday, Saturday night, which would be people's home movies. So it's like, who the fuck's going to want to watch someone's home movie? You know, another one was in charge of sales. Every Saturday and Sunday there would be yard sales. Who's going to want to buy junk from people's houses? Like, no one could conceive that this stuff was there. So that's how I met Prudence Fenton. She was working for a huge animation company. She kind of believed in the vision. Mm -hmm. And my CEO for the first couple of years was Mark Cuban. Oh my God. And, and yeah, I, I literally, we emailed each other today. I got an unbelievable email from him about the uh, Hall of Fame yeah. thing. But, um, uh, and you know, we went to every record company, we went to every television network, you know, saying. Was he already a successful businessman? Well, they didn't think so, but he had already made his first few millions. Ah, he put radio stations on the internet. That's that's, that's later. later. That's, that's yeah. not until 1999. Okay. Yeah, Audio Net and then uh, broadcast. Because Premier Radio, my company, bought his company. Yeah, that's much later though. Much later. Right. So uh, in 1992, uh, he uh, he had a, he convinced Ross Perot in Texas. Yeah. To network his building and Mark on three hundred dollars. That's all he had at the time. Network Perot's entire building and uh then what does that mean put computers in hook them up to each other gave them a connection oh, online network networks. okay okay yeah. uh-huh and then he sold that company to CompuServe mm -hmm. for 30 million wow. wow and that was his first thing wow um and then years later did uh audio uh, audio.com yeah. broadcast.com mm -hmm. sold it for 2.3 billion to Yahoo, but always knew how to make money. Absolutely got me. At how a did time. you guys? How did you find each other? My music publisher, uh -huh. um, uh, Judy Stakey, another writer that was signed. There was a guy named Andy Goldmark. He wrote a lot of like Michael Bolton uh, stuff. Uh -huh. Andy was friends with Mark, uh -huh. and Andy knew what I was doing. And he said to Judy, we got to introduce her to this guy, Mark Cuban, because I was looking for a CEO. And I'm talking to all these successful Hollywood guys, because they all are hearing, ooh, this internet thing. We should know what this is. So they, none of them actually know anything. Uh -huh. And I'm, at first, attracted more toward the suits. Okay. Because there was this guy coming over every day in, like, ripped jeans and, you know... So I chose someone else first, but every day when I would get home, there would be stacks of newspaper, clippings, like pages ripped uh -huh. out. He would drive by my house and leave them on the front porch, even though I, he didn't, I didn't give him the job originally. This is stuff you need to know. You need to know this. This is Mark Cuban? Mark Cuban. Wow. And so then I realized, what am I doing? I mean, this is the guy that seems connected. Right. So um, 90, all 92 and 93 and into 94, I think, um, you know, we tried, but, and he was doing a lot of other things and making a lot of money, but he was the CEO of Willisville. 
And so also under Willisville, when did you do the Signs of Intelligent Life for Lily? When did all Lily, that happen? When I did Lily, the, a fellow Detroiter, is, that how, you, is yes. that how you come to each other? No, we, no. Met, we met through Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> and she had heard about my house. Okay. So um, immediately her and Jane came over to the house and then it was... The game was on. Yeah. That would have been 1985. Wow. 1985. Okay. So, um, uh, no, Lily had always been my champion, always was interested in technology. Search for Signs of Intelligent Life was certainly leaning yeah. toward that. Mm -hmm. And um, when I did my very first speech at this digital conference, mm -hmm. they also had me run a panel. Mm -hmm. And I only had a few friends who were even interested in this stuff. So it was Lily Tomlin, Jane Wagner, and Shelley Duvall. <laughs> and um, it's it, it, you only need a few when you have. Yeah, you only need. You only need a few. <laughs> so we did that. So, but then she really wanted a website, and she knew I knew about this stuff. I had resisted building a website for myself. I, I was don't know say, why. You didn't have yours yet. I was still in. I was a little bitter that um, I stopped in 97 uh -huh. when everyone was making trillions of dollars. It, the whole scene was so corrupt to me, I couldn't mm. deal with it. These Silicon Valley companies with technology that never, if you really understood, this was not going to be something that took off. I see. You know, someone had a 3D technology. Well, there's no, without a story, who the care, who cares that you have 3D, you know? So the, the, the Silicon Valley tech people were making millions and millions and millions of dollars mm -hmm. selling stuff to these idiot Hollywood companies. And the Hollywood companies, so the Hollywood companies didn't really know who to be looking at there. And the Silicon Valley companies were giving money to people like Steven Spielberg. Or, you know, just because they wanted their name. Right. But these were not people who were thinking about interactivity. Right. And how to use digital technology to build communities, tell stories, you know, whatever. So pretty much I just evangelized about it. I was funded by Intel. Worst money I ever took. Worst money. Uh, it was me and Prudence, and we ended up being art directors and music uh, writers to do demos of technologies that they had invested in, but didn't have anything to do with advancing our vision. Oh, I see. You know? Mm -hmm. So I finally just decided, I really miss writing music. I really miss being around artists. I really miss being around black people, of which there were zero. <laughs> in Silicon one, Valley. <laughs> yeah, there was zero. Yeah. There was one black uh, interactive agent here, that was it. Literally none. Um, and that's when I came up with the idea for Bubbles the Artist. Because I did not know how to get back in because the music scene had changed. Huh. And the art you scene... Had, when you went out, you went completely out? You didn't keep a foot in the door? <clears throat> I wrote my last song in 1994 because I owed a seventh of a song under my quota. And I wanted to do nothing but think about the internet. Right. So I, my audio song was the Friends theme. 
and it was <laughs> perceived to go out. With. Yeah, no, and it was perceived like, oh man, she's going out on a high note. When in fact, I was like barely crawling because there, I wasn't making money. No one knew what I was talking about technology-wise, a right. social network. We, we don't understand what the internet is. What are you talking about a social network? Um, and my heart wasn't in songwriting. Mm -hmm. So it was. How, how did that friends thing come about? How did that happen? And how, how long did it take you to write okay. that? Okay, in uh, 1991, I won. These are all things I know you don't know about me. I won the uh, AFI Women's Directing Award in 1991 for a couple oh. little short films that I had made. About what? Like what? Uh, one was on a CBS. It was on an Earth Day special, a Hard Rock special. Okay. I did. It was called Death to Environmental Cheese Monsters. <laughs> and um, anyway, but long story short, yeah. they put me with a mentor. They put you with someone established in the field. And so there was this guy, Kevin Bright. And I, I don't remember what he had done right. at that point, but it was, he had a thing on HBO, Dream On. I was just going to say, I know that name. Well, okay. you're going to know it even better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, anyway, I get, so I get the award and the women, if you win the women, there's 12 women and 12 men every year. If you win the women's directing award, you get. I can't believe AFI has been recognizing women that long. I'm very, well, that's very good to know. Wait till you hear this. Okay. So, the women, you got $5,000. Oh, no, here and, we go. And you shoot on video. The men got 10000 and they could shoot on film. What the hell? So, I, I said, oh. fuck you. <laughs> and I gave the award back. I'm the only person in the history of AFI That's to give it back. Girl. They still treat me like an alumni, but I gave the award back, refused to make the film. Good for you. You, you are the Francis McDormand of your oh, time. I was <laughs> like, well, and also I had seen the internet by that point. So on a video that no network is going to air, like no one's ever going to see it. And I'm going to have to beg, borrow, and steal to, if you're, the budget's only five grand. Right. For everything. I, this is not what I'm blowing it on. Yeah. Uh, so that was really when I said I have to stop. Okay, so cut to. The first. But in the meantime, I get to know Kevin Bright. He's a great guy, but I don't end up doing the film. Okay. Okay, cut to three weeks before Friends is coming on the air in three September. Weeks. September of 1994. And uh, I am desperately looking to get out of my publishing deal. The producer of Friends, Kevin Bright. Oh, hello. Kaufman Bright. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, calls um, Warner Brothers because it's a Warner Brothers show. I'm signed to Warner Brothers Publishing, which is the deal I'm trying to get out of. Okay. And um, he says, I, we weren't going to have a theme song. We don't really think this show's a hit. But if it has a theme song and it, that's a hit... It could help promote the show. So who do you have that can write fast um, and is commercial but quirky? <laughs> as soon as someone said quirky, <laughs> always, I was who like, got the call. So they say to him, well, we have this woman, Allie Willis. He goes, oh, my God, Allie Willis. So it was unbelievable. Okay, That's so what, how did the actual writing of the song go um, down? He sent me the pilot okay. and um, he the only, they knew they wanted I'll Be There For You. They knew they wanted that. Okay. Um, and it was just about these six inseparable codependent <laughs> friends and um, that they, they will just be 
with each other for the rest of their lives. That was basically the, the, the direction. Okay. And I got the demo. Michael Squaff, who was married to one of the other producers, uh, had already, you know, had a lot of the music. And um, it was very white. Um, and they, it sounded a little country-ish. And they wanted, they knew they wanted the direction of the records to be very 60s monkey-ish. Oh. But... None of this was, quote-unquote, up my alley. Okay. I see the show. I knew Courtney Cox. Uh -huh. I, I knew, actually knew right. Courtney Cox. So I thought, okay, this is, like, kind of great. You know, she's in it. I didn't think it was brilliant, but okay. I liked all the characters. Uh -huh. And the first thing I did was write down all the character tra traits. Uh, Monica, the... Uh, Anal retentive, blah, 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 blah. Phoebe, you know, spacey, hippie, blah, all this stuff. And then I just started writing. I actually have it here. So it's 34 single-spaced type pages to get down to that final one lyric. And I wrote hundreds of different choruses, hundreds of different verses. Over, over how much? It was only three weeks. Over how much um, time are you doing this? A week. Maybe a week. And you're working alone? Uh, I was working alone on the lyric, uh -huh. yeah. And then bouncing everything off um, Kevin. And at one point, Kevin and, and Marta Kaufman. Um, and then um, Michael went in, did the record with the Rembrandts. The Rembrandts got it because they were a Warner Brothers group. And they were one of the only Warner Brothers groups that was in town that particular oh day they were going to record. Why did that? No, yeah, the whole them? thing was just, it never meant so to be. So now you had hundreds of chorus. How, how did you, how did you know, did you know when you hit the one? Uh, yes, because, well, as soon as he said that line's good, mm. um, that line would stick. Uh -huh. So, and I, I got the verse before I got the final chorus. The chorus bothered me because they were such song lyric-y. I'll be there for you when the rain starts to pour. I'll be there for you like I've been there before. You know, but I was trying, you know, before, door, walk out the door, blah, you know. Right. I was trying to just whatever. So, um, yeah, and then no one expected, certainly no one expected the song to be a hit. And a disc jockey in Nashville made a cassette off the air the first night of the air. Oh, wow. And then he played it back to back for 45 minutes. Stop. And they had so many calls in Nashville, they you know, said, you know, expand this to a longer song. This is the first night the show airs? Yeah. And, and the show exploded. Like, I, I was going to say, did the show, because I, I watched from night. the first, I watched from the yeah. first night, but I, did, was it hit immediately? Immediately. It was, immediately. It was the most shocking and I just, I felt like, oh my God, I am so, I have been so saved because I wasn't expecting this and I'm at a point where I don't know what's happening in my career and it bought me so much time. Oh and it still buys me time, by the way. <laughs> I bet it Other does. than for at least five years when people would meet me, they would go right in my face. <laughs> they would do the board right in my face, always. So that's Whose idea of, was that? That was not my idea. The claps. I don't know whose idea, but it wasn't mine. It was a good idea. The so, claps are good. I'm happy to take credit, but it was not mine. <laughs> the claps are good. Well, are, they're good because they only happen once and they happen in a spot you would not expect them to. That's right. That's very true. So. That's very true. And, you know, I, didn't, I never realized they only happen once. Yeah. That's, that's key. Yeah. Because it would have gotten really obnoxious. Yes. Yeah. No, once. Verse. 
All right, so so let's come up to present day. So so how does the color purple ha well fairly present day? How does the color purple happen? Um, I was very good friends with a guy named Scott Sanders. He was a uh, producer out of New York. Uh, he had run Radio City as a 21-year-old disc jockey. He actually booked Liberace there. Oh, my God. And then got the job. He eventually became head of Radio City. Wow. And um, he was working with Peter Goober out here. Mm -hmm. And uh, he somehow he bought the rights to do The Color Purple as a musical. Called me up just... Who thinks that the color purple is going to make a good music? Uh, I mean, just to have that thought is... Well, when you think about it, it is about the things that the greatest songs are written about. Love, mm -hmm. loss. I mean, it actually yeah, yeah. is. Mm -hmm. You just have to figure out a way to do that in a way... Because this character has a tremendous turnaround, positive, in the end. You have to give uh, the audience... They have to have some reason. She can't just out of the blue be this great, happy person. I want, so by the way, her... I just want to say that moment in the theater, I, I've been to a lot. I'm from New York. My mother was a theater person. Yeah. I've been to the theater all of my life. I have never, and my daughter, it's going to I remember the two of you It's going to make me cry. Yeah. You sat in your seats. Yeah. Samantha's a tish now. Um, and uh, she did a funny video with, um, with, they did the Cynthia Arrigo song, her and her friend. And I said, let me show it to Alice. She goes, no, let me oh, do a no, good version. But I have it. I have it. Me. But yeah. anyway, so we sat in that theater, and that moment in the theater yeah. is like nothing I have ever and I've, I've seen standing ovations in the middle of songs before. I went to Hamilton. I've been twice. I've seen standing ovations in the middle of songs. I've never seen. Yeah. It's it was three standing ovations hysteria. in the middle of the same song. Three times. We're yeah. all standing on our feet screaming. Yeah. And you wrote that music. Yeah, with uh, Stephen Bray and Brenda Russell. And I'll tell you what's unbelievable. That happens uh, nine night. times out of ten. Yeah, I mean, Cynthia, as great as they come. But I've seen it happen with understudies. You have? I, oh, absolutely. Not like that. It happens on two. It, it's hysterical. But I mean, she but she sang the shit out of that song. She's the only person that has won a Grammy, a Tony, and an Emmy for performing the same song. Is oh that God. so? Yeah. Why? Yeah. She needs the Oscar. Yes. They have to make it. A, and you too, you're so close to an EGOT. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I know. So, all right. So if they make The Color Purple into a movie, that's then how we it would, happens. We would write at least one more original song. because so, Oh, be, it has to qualify yeah, that yeah, way. Yeah, that, yeah, you yeah. know, let's... Uh, <laughs> yeah. all it right. should be, but... It should be. Okay, so, so The Color Purple happens... Do you, do you expect... Oh, wait, no, no, so I'm just brought on as a consultant. I'm oh. not brought on to write the music. Okay. He originally has me choose between two people. One was very famous, one was so not famous. How did he even know his name? Um, I told him I didn't think either one would mm -hmm. be right, mm -hmm. but still too shy to submit myself, which he wouldn't have listened to anyway. Uh, so I said, hire this one. That one's fired after a year, no surprise. Scott calls me up again. I think, okay, he's going to ask me. And this time he says, I have the, I'm going to give you the name of 50, five zero oh, wow. songwriters and just go, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. And uh, who's going to compete to write a spec song? Like he wasn't going to take anyone blind anymore. Right. And so the only advantage... somebody worked on it for a year and it didn't happen. 
Is that what yeah, happened? Wasn't, yeah, 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 wasn't yeah. to his liking. Uh-huh. And, and, and nor did I ever think that person was capable, but I didn't think either of those choices were capable. Okay. Ultimately, for what I felt it needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, of the 50 names, the name Allie Willis is not on um, the 50 names. Jesus. But he gets to the name Brenda Russell. Brenda's a brilliant writer. Brenda wrote um, If Only for One Night, Luther Vandross. Uh-huh. Piano uh, that, in the Dark. Yeah, Piano in the Dark. Yeah, she was up for uh, herself up for Grammy. Um, Good one, Luis. Olita Adams, Get Here. Yeah. You Can Meet Me by Any, a, lot, a lot of stuff. And um, the name Brenda Russell was on there. She, at that moment, was on her way over here. Okay. And um, I said, well, what if I compete with Brenda? And what if we bring in our third writer that we're writing with? He didn't know who that was. His name was Stephen Bray. Stephen was known for writing and producing a whole slew of Madonna, uh, Express Yourself. Oh, wow. Um, uh, get Into the Groove. Oh, you know, that's that, my favorite that, that, that whole period. Uh-huh. Uh, and he said, fine, but no special favors. And I said, trust me, I do not expect a special favor after a, a, <laughs> a year and a half of not even making the 50. <laughs> anyway, but between me, Brendan, and Stephen, we knew the people I had chosen. And I did choose who I thought would be mm-hmm. killers. Mm-hmm. Um, they were all too famous and all too rich to spend the time writing a spec song. I see. So I said, and we, and we were right, they're all going to pick the song, because you have to choose a scene in the book or uh, in the movie, mm-hmm. and just write a song, even though it's not going to end up in the musical. Right. But, uh, a, the song could, but the scenery, you know, because you really, you start from scratch when uh-huh. you write for a different medium, uh-huh. other than the characters. So um, uh, I said, let's choose a song with the, a scene with the most characters that will show, because we have been writing for an animated series that Prudence and I co-created with April Winchell. Do you know April? I do know April. Okay. April did Women Who Write a long time yeah, ago. She's yeah, she's yeah, yeah. So we She wrote, gave me a pussy, she gave me a clitoris purse that she made. She's an artist also. Well, yeah, I, have you heard My Vagina? Because I wrote and uh, uh, produced that for her. She made, gave me a vagina. Brilliant. She gave me a vagina. Well, it was promotional for my song, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> That's brilliant with the Pointer Sisters and Frida Payne singing backgrounds on my vagina. It's brilliant. Anyway, um, so wait, I'm off track because I want to tie this up. So, uh, okay, so we compete. Everyone else except for one other group handed uh, their stuff in like in a day. We took two and a half months. We wrote our asses off. Uh Um, We ended up doing it. And I just want to say, because, you know, my kitty cat just passed away. Yes. Uh, that we found those cats born on my roof the day that Brenda was over, that I got the phone call about the color purple and I submitted us as a group. And uh, Sweet Potato just, the last one just passed away less than two weeks ago when our dream to have it performed in Africa happened. And I flew home early from Africa for that. So did you get we, to see it performed? Yes. You did? Yes. Yeah, I saw a couple of performances. It was great. Um, and they're so excited there. And if you think the women's movement is happening here, you got to go to Africa. Really? So the timing of this show mm. is 
you know, anyway. All so, right. anyway, that was full circle, color purple. Rest in peace, sweet potato. Yeah. All right. All right, so so we're, we're rounding out here. So getting finding out, well, first of all, what's it like to win a Tony Award? What's that moment? Uh, well, shocking because you couldn't find less of a theater person if you tried. You, you have, okay, we haven't told that story yet. Well, I don't know anything that I do. No. But I really was not. No, a, but you have to. You hate. I have come to appreciate Oh, theaters. she's changing it since. No, no, I'm, year I'm not telling you I like it, and I'm not telling you I've been to one show. She doesn't like the theater. She hates the theater. She doesn't like to hear people perform music. Well, I don't know. Why are you breaking into song? Well, yeah, no, I don't go to concerts either. So. That's what I wanted. She doesn't go to concerts. She doesn't go to musicals. She hates them. She I wins love, a Tony Award. I love television. Okay, I but, love But that's not day. where you won your award. Okay, no, it's so, not where I do anything. Although, well, yeah. but you won. You, Friends. Yeah. Friends. Why did she yes. make it through the Tony Awards? <laughs> well, exactly. So, I'm sure it was exactly. Tony Award. So, okay, so, so, what, so what is it like when you find out you're nominated, and what is it like when you win? Well, you know, we were nominated. We had 11 nominations the first time around, but we were not, um, we knew right, we the, weren't The revival was what? The revival was what exploded. Right. Uh, but we did win Best Actress in the original one. She was brilliant with Sean's. Okay. Um, but the second staging of the show in the minimalist way that it was staged. Do you staged, credit the director? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God, okay. yeah. I, I, who was the director? Uh, on this, this one, one? John Doyle. John brilliant. Doyle. Okay. The staging um, was He phenomenal. did... Um, there was a version of Sweeney Todd out in I 2005 see. where they all played their own instruments. I did not see I've seen it yeah. four times. I he, did not he's see known that. for doing incredibly radical things. Wow. Reconceiving shows. That I, did did I did see Patty that. I did see that. I did see that. Yeah, it's crazy. In, a, in the best way. I completely forgot about I did see that. Listen, I was incredibly excited about the original version. Okay. Uh huh. But the second version allowed you to see and hear the music. Like, I can't tell you how many people say to me, well, when did you rewrite that song? We did not write one note. You know, wow. what came out in 2005 is exactly what came out in 2015. There was 12 minutes of dialogue cut. Still couldn't even tell you what it was. Uh -huh. And um, that was it. It just, the focus became solely on... The actors, the story, the music, the lyrics. Yes. There was no set. Mm -hmm. It's just wood. Mm -hmm. There were no costume changes. The original had 161 wow. costume changes. Uh, there were no props. The original one, everything was there. Mm -hmm. So you, it, it, this was in your face. Yes. And when we were writing it, we wrote it on like beer bottles, pots and pans, like trying to make it sound mm. like you were on someone's porch mm -hmm. in, uh, you know, 1930. Mm -hmm. So um, this felt like it was bringing it more back mm -hmm. to that. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's the comment we got more than anything was, I could finally hear the music. Okay, so what's it like that it didn't happen the first time around? Here it is a revival, and now you're getting well, that recognition. It was... The way my life goes, it felt like that's the way it was supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, the greatest thing for me was the relationship 
between me, Brenda, Stephen, and Marsha, the, the four writers. Uh, and Marsha Norman was the book writer, but we all wrote everything together. Mm -hmm. And Marsha is a Pulitzer Prize winning uh, author for Night Mother mm -hmm. and uh, The Secret Garden. She got a Tony for. Um, but the way that you all go through, you think that this thing's going to happen and you all kind of have to deflate. Mm -hmm. uh, you're, you're excited. It ran for three years. It's been on tour ever since. Very proud of it. Yet... It didn't go where you and your head were fantasizing it would go. Mm -hmm. Then, to out of the blue, because we don't know any of this stuff, you know, is happening, mm -hmm. to have it explode immediately. The way, I mean, it was on... I, I remember, I remember the whole, I remember watching it, it, it overnight. Just bang. Yes. The reviews, yeah. the, the... It was on the top ten, it was on Ben Brantley, who's the key crit, it was on his top ten list. For 2015 before it opened because that came out in November it didn't open till December so um, but getting to go through that with this little core group of mm -hmm. writers it was the most incredible experience because we couldn't believe it was happening mm -hmm. so that part of it was incredible and then me Brendan Stephen were just in Africa together mm -hmm. and that was another like oh my god do you believe because it was the one country we put in our contract for this this tour that's happening now um, that should it ever go to Africa, you have to pay for us to go. Yeah. <laughs> and we, we, no other country we put in there, just Africa. Um, so we went. Phenomenal. Yeah. Okay, so last question. So now We haven't even hit Detroit, of course. Oh, okay, we have to talk about Detroit. I wanted to talk about the summer. Let's talk about Detroit for a minute. So tell us about oh, your passion. I'll, I'll just tell you. Yeah. Tell you about the passion. Um, I was incredibly sick of what people were saying about Detroit for the last few decades. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think if you come from Detroit, it's got a special place Wait in your Wait a second, heart. Lydia Cornell, where is this? This is an Allie Willis's kitchen. That's where this is. Something oh, my kitchen. That's where it is. But focus on this wall. <laughs> anyway. Can you say hi to Steve Dorff for a moment? Hi, oh, Steve. he's coming he, into the yes. Is he on? Steve, Steve hi. Steve <laughs> is coming into the Hall of Fame with me. Steve, we'll drink, we'll drink to both of you. Tab to Steve. Please tab to Steve. Ooh. Okay, so All right. so tell the passion thing for, for Detroit. Okay, very, very briefly, because this was the last five years of my life. Okay. Um, I five, know how in, much you put into yeah, this. Yeah, just it was Every, self, money, time, everything. everything. Self-funded project, uh, which is why I'm always walking around broke. I hope to stop that habit, but... <laughs> Um, Fortunately, you always have this money that magically comes in, though. Yes, not as much as what people think, however. Because, okay. I, you know, a lot of these songs, you have to give up your publishing in order to... Like, I have no publishing on Friends. I have no publishing on Boogie Wonderland. I have no publishing on September, you know. Wow. Yeah. It's... Right. That's the way of the world, okay. as they say. Okay. One of the best ballads ever recorded. Yeah. yeah. Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah, yeah. Killer. Um, oh. Yeah, Maurice White's voice, come yeah, on. Brilliant. Anyway. Uh, okay, so uh, after hearing all this crap that people are saying about Detroit, and I always, me and Lily used to talk about, let's like do something there, but I don't have the money to like do anything substantial. Right. So finally, it, we get to 2011, and I think, what do I do good? I write songs, I throw parties. <laughs> so let me think of something I can do. By this point, I had met Andre. No, wait. Look, the point of it is, 
Say something good about Detroit. Save Detroit. I wanted okay. to, um, I wanted people to see the Detroit that I knew, mm -hmm. which was full of incredibly soulful people, mm -hmm. um, and that there's this very warm spirit there. You are not going to go there and get murdered, or any of these other things that people thought automatically about right, Detroit. Right. And that there's gorgeous things about Detroit, not just these burnt out buildings. That yeah, you yeah, see. yeah. So with Andre Alexander, who was my, you know, collaborator, I was happiest with at the time, yeah. wrote a song, did a demo of it, recorded it here. Yeah. Then over the next two and a half years, yeah. through a series of 70 sing-alongs, little mini parties, all over the city, schools, churches, football fields, people's living rooms, delicatessens, wherever. It's the most, it's the largest. Most people ever on a record. So 5,000 lead singers also filming it. And if you yeah. wanted to play on it, so we were everywhere from inside Motown recording to, um, you know, someone bringing a, a, a bass made out of a cardboard box and a broom, you know. And um, then I spent the next two years editing, animating, doing everything. It was meant to be a feature-length documentary. Uh, producer, junkie, ran off with the yes. money, gone. Um, so I thought, you know what? I, this started out to just be a song and the video. The vi I'd already put five years into it. I'm going to do this. But the last missing piece is I'm a party thrower. It's got a premiere in Detroit. So, and that was going to cost as much as what the entire project oh, cost. Jesus. So I ended up with the um, Detroit Institute of Arts, which is the fifth largest museum in the world. Gorgeous. Um, the largest collection of Renoirs, you know, wow. just amazing. In Detroit? In Detroit. That's crazy. Staggering museum. Wow. They gave me half of the bottom floor. I had, I had one room. It's hundreds of feet long. Diego Rivera came in 1931 and 32 and painted. They're called Detroit Industry Murals. The entire hundreds and hundreds of feet, massively high, the, you're surrounded by this Diego Rivera wow. stuff. If you saw a picture of it, it's like almost like Picasso Guernica. It's unbelievable. Wow. All the famous people of the time, you know, Chaplin's in there, Henry Ford, like brilliant. Wow. Uh, so, but I had these massive rooms, that being one of them. I had an 1,100-seat auditorium, and I filled it with Bubbles Art. So, <laughs> Renoir, Picasso, Bubbles the Artist. <laughs> Half the time, like, blocking Picassos or something. <laughs> and then I, this, I took some pictures of Bubbles Art. Well, I'll post uh, it on Facebook. And so then this massive, you know, the big, massive movie screen. Getting to show this thing that I'm thinking everyone's only going to see, like, this big. So, through a party for 3,000 people. They closed the door after 3,000. And I did a live installation at the same time. Um, where we created kind of art to go along with the entire project where I had people uh, draw their portraits on paper plates and then we assembled this 50 foot by 20 foot, 8 foot uh, wall in real time in the museum, you know, um, uh, We Are the D. And the song was called The D. And you can see, you know, if you do Allie Willis, The D, 
uh, you know, I'll, you, I'll put you'll the get link to up it. On, the, on, the, on the broadcast. Anyway, so it was incredible, and I love this city so much, and I'm, I'm going back on May 4th, I'm getting a... So I, I know think, you've been, I know you've been recognized in, in Detroit before, because I, I remember there was like a marching band, and... and oh, felt, yeah. <laughs> that was incredible, with the cast of The Color Purple conducting my uh, high school marching band <laughs> in a medley of my hits at the Fox Theater where I grew up. It was oh, unbelievable. Wow. Uh, but I'm going back on uh, May 4th to the Detroit Music Awards and um, getting something there. And uh, I think I'm performing in Detroit on May 18th and 19th. So... Um, I'll be back. Okay, and so now let's get to the, the piece de resistance. Uh, so you get nominated to get inducted into the Songwriters Hall. Yeah, okay. Now you nominate. First you're nominated, right? I was nominated a few times. Okay. And I never thought I would get in because I am a complete outsider in the music business. Like, you ask me how I have hits, I have no idea. I was never political. I never, ever have walked up to someone and gone, this would be great for you to sing. Never. Not a good quality for a songwriter. <laughs> I'm not encouraging anyone to be that way. I was more interested in, like, you as a person. Is she going to make a good party guest? That was my first... <laughs> That was my first thing. So I didn't want to ruin anything by, if I give you a song, you don't like it, how are you going to tell me? You know? Yeah. So I never did it. I never... I knew one record company president, Clive Davis, right. because he was my boss. But I couldn't tell you who was at, a, a, you know, Electra, who was at RCA. I, I, it made me nuts, and the competitiveness. Right. And once I started painting and art directing and all that stuff, I thought, I'm going to split my time up this way. I can't be in the competitive thing. But that took years of trying to shift back the gears and having being okay from a hundred people a week asking you to write to one a month or so, you know. Right. Okay. So you so you get you get um, you get nominated a few times. It doesn't happen. What makes um, what makes this different? I don't know. People finally came to their senses and actually voted for well, me. Have you been has have you been nominated since the call? Here's the thing. Won the Tony. Yes. Like any of these big awards, I don't care if it's a Grammy, Emmy, Tony, probably Webby, you have to campaign for this. Yeah. You, if you're going to quietly sit there, you're not going to get to an... I mean, these Oscar winners, do you have any idea oh, how God. many millions of dollars is put into winning that award? Of course. And the times I was nominated was all during this Detroit project. So I'm not comfortable anyway with the self-promotion that one should be doing. Right. And then to top it off, I'm completely broke because I'm financing five years of a project that involves thousands and thousands of people. Oh, my God. So um, I just thought I'm never going to get in. And when I was nominated this year, because it's not like they keep renominating you. You get a few tries and then you're out. Okay. Um, so I actually was incredibly depressed when I saw, oh, the nominations are out this year. And I know I've got to be close to my last chance here. Um, and was really depressed, seriously, like walked around for two days because I knew I was letting myself down because I'm not telling people I'm even up for it. And 
how many more times they're going to nominate me? It's not going to happen. So, um, my friend Desmond Child, um, I go back. <laughs> oh, my friend Desmond Child. I go back to him to my hat check days. He was one of the you know acts in the club. So we, since 1975, have been great, great friends. He was a big supporter of my artwork, of Bubbles the Artist. He's always been there for me. So he is telling me, you just send an email blast. Do something. And Desmond's in. Right. Desmond wrote tons of like Kiss, Bon Jovi. Right, right. Uh, La Vida Loca. I mean, like great yeah. stuff. So he is on me. So two days before the voting ends, I finally send out an email blast apologizing <laughs> for being such an idiot for... I got one of your email blasts like yesterday that was also kind of an apology also. Yes, well, because I've known for a month already and I haven't even told people. So the people that I finally had the guts to like email originally and say, okay, if you can get it together, there's only two days left. Everyone's voted already. I apologize. I'm late. Vote. So... Um, <laughs> And, and then I just sent one out yesterday because yeah. I thought, well, none of these people know I got in. I need to, like, <laughs> Yes, you know. we, I knew. And we've all known for a I while. I put one Facebook post up. That was it. But even though you didn't put it, I don't know if it was Steve who put it up. Somebody put it up. I think Steve might have yeah. posted and said, these are the inductees. Yeah, you know. he was, I'm sure, far more proficient. Although in, I don't you think know. Steve is particularly political either. He doesn't strike. He just, he sat with us for quite a while. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Me no, no, no. Well, political. so what happened is yeah. that I think people actually voted for who they liked and who they thought should get it, which I never thought was possible. That's certainly the only way I got in. Right. And so, which makes me very happy to know that it was like a real... Thing. Yeah, like you earned it and yeah. you didn't politicize it. So who else is going in with you? Um, Steve. Yeah. John Mellencamp. Ooh. Cool in the gang. Wow. Two country people. Two big country people. Okay, I don't know. All right. Someone well, I love country, by the way. Uh, Ray Anderson. Does, does anybody and know? Whoever's out there. I don't there, know. If you oh, know oh no, we can't just... turn that off. No, I'm trying to see if anybody okay. on here... If you know who it is, people, if you know who's getting inducted, um, tell us. You just look up uh, Songwriters Hall of Fame These are feather earrings, Pam was asking me. Uh -huh. But yeah, look, look up. Somebody tell us who the... Um, I'm looking at the latest Where, oh, I don't have any so, of my stuff here. I don't have my phone, okay. so I can't look it up. Anyway. So, all right. Um, so, uh, that's it. I'm being inducted in by Verdine White. Because you get to, you know, choose you, you who, who brings you in. And um, they're going to play September... And so is this like, is this like as good as it gets? You know, truthfully, and probably because I didn't think I was going to get in, it uh, was not that important to me. And okay. Desmond kept saying, no, it's bigger than you think. It's bigger than you think. You, sh you should try, you know, make an effort. Um, it is shocking. The, it makes winning a Grammy looks like look like a spit in the bucket. Does it really? Yeah, it's. I, I have never gotten this kind of like. Once I sent the email yesterday. Yeah. It's shocking, and then the people who I'm I mean, getting Tampa emails. From, Davis. Yeah. yeah. No, no, incredible songwriters. Valerie Simpson, like all the oh, Motown, you know, no. uh, Dozier, you know, Lamont Dozier, uh, Peter Asher. Mm. Um, I'm blanking right now, but yeah, shocking who I'm getting stuff from and you know it's like people that I've idolized my whole life Steve I know is having the same experience so I'm officially excited and it was not anything 
So, you know. who, so uh, the event is in New York at some small fancy June 14. And you go, and you're gonna go, of course, true to Allie Willis. You Absolutely. Uh, you'll be wearing sneakers. Yeah, oh, I will, <laughs> certainly will. Break cold, I'm sure. Yeah, no, no, I'm in the planning stages because I make this is. This is vintage. It's fabulous. So everything is either vintage I or I make I wish they could see it. your sneakers. We, it's on the little video. Show them your sneakers somehow. Mm, pick your foot where, up. Let's, well, pick, where? Your, pick your foot up so they can see. Well, it. here. How about if I do Yeah, this? take one off. You have to I'll see. Because nobody has clothes like that. Do we need music nope. for this? Well, <laughs> we should, but it's got to be my yeah. music. Yeah. But. Okay, here, look. Well, it's not that it's look. leopards that it has a tail. <laughs> Wait, no, that's not showing in the camera. I'm looking at the camera. Oh, oh the camera's down on the Oh, oh, oh okay. I got the oh, wait, food. Wait, wait. No, no. No, wait, it's You're delayed. Not it's delayed. You gotta that's come. Why. Oh, it's delayed. That's yeah. why. Yeah. All right. No, so it's delayed. All right, the so. The tail. So the tail. Can you, oh, it's you, delayed. You, there, okay, tell. no, now you, should, we can see it. <laughs> okay. There it is. So. All right. Anyway, so it, we we've been we've been chatting for almost two hours. So we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna let the people go, but. Um, they have um, to come for fried chicken so, with us. Oh, we have to go for fried So tell them about where the best fried chicken in the world is. Talleyrand, the best white fried chicken. I, I don't mean white meat, I mean white people. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm talking where, here. Where, I'm talking where, where's the best I, black in Burbank, fried chicken? Burbank, uh, the, uh, Mom's Soul Food, Mom's Barbecue House. Okay, I haven't been there yet. Oh. We haven't gone there. We've only well, been to Talleyrand. I mean, yeah, Mom's does all my little parties. Okay, well, um, I haven't been invited to those either. I, I haven't had enough since I've known you. I'm going to get it together. I will get it together. So um, we're going to go eat chicken. So I suggest if, if you like chicken, Louise is leaving. She's not going to be able She's to gone. She, Louise is gone. She's writing it down. So um, anyway, um, yeah. so will we, will, we, will we be able to see the induction on the internet? I, I don't it? have any of those facts yet. Okay. I'm hoping yes, but you know, I'm bringing my own camera. You know, I travel with my... Well, and so somebody yeah. will be filming it for you, if not... Yes, the, but the I'm, they've got to. They've got to. Yeah, because it's, from what I hear, yeah. it's kind of the coolest of all of the music stuff. Oh. Because all these, all the past people, like a friend of mine was there, I, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, and at their, ta their table was Jay-Z, Springsteen, Billy Joel, <laughs> and it's like the songwriters. Wow. And they're just hanging with the songwriters. Wow. So, right, so I've, I've got the inductees. Okay, who? Bill Anderson. Bill Anderson. And uh, Alan Jackson. Alan oh, okay. Those are like yeah. massive, yeah, yeah. massive, yeah. massive. All right, so we'll be watching on June fourteenth. Well, I don't know that we'll, well be watching. Well, we'll be, we'll I'll be, be winning. We'll, we'll be and Steve Dorff will be winning. We'll be watching the Facebook and, yes. and and we'll be cheering on and come back next week, next Wednesday. Um, Debbie Allen. Oh, no, I just said Debbie Allen. I don't mean Debbie. I don't Allen. know Debbie Allen. I mean, but I, like Debbie Allen. I mean Nancy Allen. I don't know because I'm thinking. Yeah, because Nancy yes, Allen. Yes, because I'm thinking. Everything black. Nancy Allen, is, she's very white, white, very blonde, and I could not love her more. She she is maybe the one of the most phenomenal people I've ever met. I, I don't I mean I know. You don't know her? I don't oh, know. I have to introduce oh, yeah, she's know. gonna be at the pajama party, so you're gonna okay. want you are gonna want All right. you are gonna want I'm Nancy on your pajama list party. Now. I can't believe I just said Debbie. I'm so in the black now. This is like anyway It's hard to be here and not be in the black. It's hard it's hard to be with you and not be in the black. So anyway, we'll see you next week with Nancy Allen. Uh, on the road taken and um, congratulations Allie. Thank I, you. I love you. Mm -hmm. Love Mazel you. Mazel tov.